If you're one of our guests today, we're just honored to have you with us today. I'd like to encourage you to be involved in our Bible study with us. Uh, if you look inside your program, you'll find an outline of our program. I'd encourage you to take that and follow along with us as we look at the subject of God's plan for you to have a successful life. Did you ever uh, have to write a resume for a job that you were applying for? Or maybe somebody wanted to know something about you and you just kind of gave them a few notes about yourself? Well, Solomon had that pleasure over in the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 32. And we find here the story of Solomon kind of condensed into a, a brief little paragraph here when he says that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and he spoke 1,005 a a songs. I mean, he was a man that was pretty busy. And then as the writer described him, it said this, he knew about plants, that is, about botany. And he knew about animals, that is, zoology. And he knew about birds, ornithology. And he knew about reptiles, entomology. And he knew about fish, ichthyology. I mean, here was a man who had unbelievable breadth of knowledge of all kinds of things. And then the Bible tells us that... Uh, Solomon was there when the temple of God was dedicated. Now, you talk about a man who went overboard at the uh, time that the temple was dedicated. It was Solomon. The Bible said that he sacrificed 22,000 cattle, and he then sacrificed 120,000 sheep and goats. D. King would probably like to have had that contract to kind of deliver all of those animals. But can you imagine how many animals here were sacrificed at the dedication of the temple? And you may wonder, how in the world did Solomon ever get such wisdom and power and influence? Well, back in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, God said to him, Solomon, I am uh, pleased with the way you're doing things. You just ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Now, can you imagine that? God giving you that uh, opportunity, anything that you want. And Solomon said, well, Lord, what I'd like is a wise and understanding heart so I could govern my people and so that I could know the difference between right and wrong. And God was so pleased with what he said. I want to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you what it is you asked for. And then I want to bless you so that there will never have been anybody like you, nor will there ever be. Solomon, there's never going to be anybody like you because of what you have asked. The lady who was the queen of Sheba, which is now what we call Yemen, came to see Solomon because of all the things she heard about his wisdom. And as she left, she said, not even half the greatness was told me. You have far exceeded the report I have heard. Solomon, it's just unbelievable what it is that you have done and what you know and how you are able to share that. Well, now, the word here that I want us to really center in on today is the word success. Because, you see, that is a great Bible word. In fact, 37 times in the Bible you will find the word success or the word successful used because I believe God wants His people to be successful. 
Over in the book of First Chronicles chapter 22, we find that David spoke to his son Solomon and said, Now my son, the Lord be with you, and may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when He puts you in command over Israel, so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord God gave Moses for Israel. And then in the book of Psalms, chapter 118, the Lord has done us and blessed us, and He says, Let us then rejoice and be glad, and Lord, save us, and Lord, grant us success. And in the book of Proverbs 2, verse 7, He holds success in store for those who are the upright. God wants His people to be successful. He wants you and me to be a success. And I want to share with you today God's plan for us to be successful. First of all, let me tell you that Solomon was the writer of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, it begins with these words. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son. So today, as we look in the book of Proverbs, realize that they are the words that came from Solomon. And they are words that you and I need to look at because they are going to be very vital for our life and our understanding of how God's going to bless us. If you will, note with me in chapter 1, verses 2 through 5, Solomon explains why he has written the Proverbs. Chapter 1, verse 3, it is to teach the people wisdom and discipline. And then in verse 4, because you can live disciplined and successful lives. And then in verse 5, let the wise men learn, and they will be even wiser. So if you'd like to be even wiser, then you and I need to examine and see what is found in the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs have come from all over the world. And there were people in all countries, I guess, that through the years have, have given Proverbs over there is a French proverb that says this, Choose a wife with your ears, not your eyes. Hmm, maybe pretty good advice. And then there is an English proverb that says, Don't, give your, don't dig your own grave with a knife and fork. Hmm, good advice. And finally, there is a Danish proverb that says, Give to a pig when it grunts and a child when it cries, and you'll have a fine pig and a bad child. Ah, probably so. But now, the Proverbs that come from Solomon are inspired by God. And they are vital to us to know how God wants us to live and how we can become successful. Let me tell you what a proverb is. A proverb is a general rule of what is normally going to take place. Now, you may note a proverb and say, well, I know an exception to that, and it may be. But generally speaking... The Proverbs are going to tell you what normally is going to happen when a person does what God says to do. Well, let me begin on the negative side here, because Solomon says, I want to tell you some things that you need to avoid, some things that you need to not do. Number one is, don't be a bad listener. Don't be a bad listener. This is what he said in chapter 18, verse 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Now, don't you just love it when you're trying to explain something to your spouse and they keep interrupting you? Solomon said, listen, 
that is something that is foolish and it's not going to gain you much following. Realize how shameful that is. Number two, it is also something you want to avoid, and that is being argumentative. Over in chapter uh, 20, verse 3, he put it this way, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Now, over in the New Testament, we find that uh, the Apostle Paul picked up on that, 2 Timothy 2.24, and he said this, Don't get involved in foolish arguments. Don't be one that's always got to argue about things. Now, sometimes people even have debates. Now, were debates good or bad? I want to tell you, in my opinion, Bates probably did more harm than they did good. When I was a boy, I went to a religious debate between two preachers. And, and one preacher got up and he said, You know, Jesus Christ couldn't have been a preacher in your church. Boy, and the guy got up and said, I'll tell you, Jesus could have been a preacher in our church. And the next time the guy got up, he said, And I want to tell you, I said Jesus couldn't have been a preacher in your church, and I can prove it. Well, the guy got up, and he, boy, I mean, he fought back on that. He said, yes, Jesus could have been a preacher in our church. And the third time the guy got up, he said this. Now, I told you Jesus couldn't have been a preacher in your church, and I can prove it, and here's my proof. In order to be a preacher in your church, you've got to have a license. And Jesus didn't have a license. I'm going to give you five minutes of my time to refute that. And he went over and he sat down. And the guy, I mean, just was steaming, mad and upset. And the people who were friends of the guy, I mean, they were mad. And, and I want to tell you, people left there, certainly, even if the guy had the right kind of arguments, they could just see something that was very, very hostile, and I believe it did more harm than good. And so Solomon said, listen, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools want to quarrel. Stay away from arguments and quarreling. Number three, the third thing he said is, I'll warn you about being hypersensitive. Here's what he said it in chapter 20, verse 11. Sensible people control their temper and earn respect by overlooking wrongs. The New International Version says, It is to your glory to overlook an offense. That is, don't make a big deal out of everything. Somebody says something to you, don't take it in the wrong way. You know, a lot of times there's a right way and a wrong way you can take the thing. Always take it in the right way. Sometimes people, though, are just intent on finding something wrong with somebody says to them. Somebody may say to you, you know, you sure look nice today. What do you mean today? I don't usually look nice. Or, thank you very much for that compliment. I appreciate it. Solomon said, listen, do not be hypersensitive about what people say. Then number four would be what I would call offensive speech. Offensive speech. Listen, if you will, chapter 18, verse 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Do you know somebody that just goes off on people all the time and says things, and then after they've said them, they say, oh, just, just forget about it. Well, I'll tell you, your husband doesn't forget it. Your wife doesn't forget it. Your kids don't forget it when you go off on them. 
You kick a dog four times in the head and then call the dog and see if the dog will come. I mean, that's certainly not the way to live. And so in chapter 12, verse 18, Solomon said, Reckless words pierce like a sword. Be careful about the way you use your words. And then number five, I want to tell you, is pride. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Chapter 16, verse 18. Listen, nobody likes to be around an arrogant, conceited person. Somebody that always has got to act like they are somebody who is a big shot. Ohio State University did a uh, study about the 50 main reasons that people lose their jobs. Would you be surprised that the top 15 had nothing to do with their work or their ability on the job, but it did about their attitude? And when somebody is cocky and conceited and arrogant, nobody likes to be around somebody like that. So Solomon said, listen, if you want to be successful, I want you to avoid these five things. And you and I, hopefully, are going to avoid them. Being a bad listener, being argumentative, being hypersensitive, having offensive speech, or having a proud spirit and attitude. Well... Now, that kind of gets us away from the things that Solomon really has to say. Those were negative to avoid. But what are the good things that you need to be doing in order to really be a successful person? And let me give you six of these things. Number one, I want to show you four things that come out of Proverbs chapter 3. So if you've got your Bible, you may want to just flip open there to chapter 3 with me and see the four lessons that he has for us here. First of all, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, the main thing he said here is this. I want you to keep my commandments in your heart. That is not just something that you know and you think about once in a while. But I want my commands to be in your heart. I uh, like the story back in Jeremiah chapter 20 of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah had been preaching the word of God and boy, people were upset because he was not saying the things they wanted said. And so Jeremiah was beaten and he was put into stocks. Well... After a while, they let him out of the stocks and told him not to preach anymore. But Jeremiah responded this way. He said, If I say I will not mention his word, his word is like a fire in my bones. You know what he said? I mean, inside of me and, and guiding me and directing me is the word of God. And that's what Solomon said. I mean, keep the word of God in your heart. And let that be there all the time as you live with what it is that you're trying to accomplish in life. And then he says, this is the promise God gives you. If you will do that, I want to tell you, you will have a life that will last many years, and you will have prosperity. Now, is that not something that you and I would both like? To have a long life and prosperity? 
God said, that's what happens if you will keep my word in your heart. Well, how's God going to do that? Let me tell you. God made you. He knows how you tick. He knows what you need. And He said, if you keep my word in my, your heart, then you're going to be going in the direction that I want you to go, and that's going to bring prosperity and long life. Did you know an insurance company did a survey not long ago, and they discovered that people who attend church regularly, that they on an average will live 5.7 years longer than somebody that doesn't go to church regularly. God said, this is why I'm going to bless you. This is what I'm going to do. So keep my commands in your heart. God wants you and me to be people who know Him and obey Him and are following His Word every day of our life. Well, number two, the second thing he says is found here in verses 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Ah, if you do that, he says, you are going to be somebody who will be enjoyed by people and you will be honored by God. What a wonderful thing it is to know that God says love and faithfulness really do count. Somebody that is a loving person. And somebody who is faithful or somebody who is dependable. Somebody that you can know and really look up to and enjoy. And God, he says, is going to bless a person like that. Let your love and faithfulness never leave you. But let that be the way you live your life every day. Then come, if you will, with me to verses 5 and 6. And listen as he gives us this word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Now the beginning is this, trust in the Lord. And that word trust means to have confidence in God, and to believe that what He has said is going to be true, and you're going to be following that because you are honoring and trusting and believing in what it is that God has said with all your heart. The contrast he gave is somebody that goes by their own understanding. You know, there's a big controversy going on in churches all over the country now on the subject of alternative lifestyles. And for years, Christian people have been in opposition to that. But now there are some churches that say, you know, we need to do this. You know, we're just discriminating against certain people, and we need just to not do that anymore. We think that's the right thing to do. Hmm. What are you and I going to do? What's the Church of Christ of the Colonies going to do? I want to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to trust what it is that God has said on the subject. And we're not going to say, well, this is our understanding or our reasoning. We're going to say, what the Lord has said is what we're going to do. Now, if you want to read it for yourself, open your Bible, Romans chapter 1, verse 24 through 27. And you'll find what God has said on that matter. And you and I need to know that if we 
trust in the Lord and we don't lead on our own understanding, then we're going to do what it is that God has said in His Word. And if you and I want to be successful, then we need to trust in the Lord. Don't depend on our own understanding, but do those things that have been laid out for us by God Almighty. Well, number four. Look, if you will, in verses 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. If you and I are people, we're going to be following God and doing what He said. He said it's going to be a healthy lifestyle. And if you do that, it's going to be something that you will enjoy. And I want to tell you, it'll affect the way you look. Now, is there anybody that doesn't want to look younger and look better? Uh, I saw Dennis the Menace cartoon one time that Dennis the Menace, a little boy, saw that and somebody was advertising a project, it'll make you look younger. Dennis looked at it and said, wow, who'd want to look younger? Well, maybe if you're a seven-year-old boy, you don't want to look any younger. But, but most people do. The Lord said, listen, if you will trust in the Lord, you fear God and do what He says, then that's the blessing that God is going to give to you. You're going to find yourself with a healthy body more so than any other way. And that is because the way you take care of your body, you realize it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to do the very best you can to take care of that. Well, number five on our list. Look, if you will, with me in chapter 6, verses 6 through 11 of the book of Proverbs. And that is... What Solomon's lesson here on is one about diligence. Diligence. Now, and Solomon has an example he gives, and the example he gives is that of an ant. And this is what he says. Take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. Now, that's the way it reads in the uh, New Living Translation. The uh, New International Version says, Remember the ant, you sluggard. What's a sluggard? Well, a sluggard's somebody who is lazy. I, I like that word lazy bones, though, that was used there by, uh, in the uh, New Living Translation. When I was a little boy, my mother wanted to get me up, and she would come in, and she'd sing to me. She'd say, lazy bones, sleeping in the sun, how you going to get your day's work done? You know, and that'd get me up. And, and Solomon says, listen, look at the ant, you sluggard. Did you know that an ant can carry 20 times its weight? It, it is, I mean, unbelievable what an ant can do. And there are 10,000 different kinds of ants, more than any other kind of insect. But they here are cited by Solomon as what we ought to be like. And that is, we ought to be people who are diligent in what it is that we are doing. If you want to be successful, be someone who is diligent. Then number six, and that is we need to be resilient. We need to be resilient. Here's the way Solomon put it. Chapter 24, verse 16, out of the New Living Translation. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You know what he said? Listen. A righteous man, he may get knocked down seven times, but he gets up again. And that's the way a man and a woman is going to be successful. They've got to have resilience. Uh, one of my uh, all-time favorite people was a 
young man who was the uh, youth minister working with me at a church uh, named Scotty Ratliff. And uh, Scotty was a young guy. He wasn't very tall, but boy, he had a lot of energy and a lot of strength. And uh, he grew up in Brownwood. And, and Brownwood, when he grew up, was a time there was a football power in the high school in the state of Texas. And, and the coach was named Gordon Wood. He had 395 victories, the number two all-time leader in the uh, state of Texas. And, and Scotty played for him. And he told me that uh, they were in a playoff game, and it was kind of a rainy night, and he fumbled the ball. And he came out, and he said as he came out, Coach Wood said to him this, Ratliff, you are the worst football player I have ever had in my life. You'll never play another down for me. Go sit on the bench. He said, man, this guy's been coaching for 40 years, and I'm the worst player he's ever had? Oh, how bad. He went over. He said, I was depressed, and I sat down. He said, the team held him. We got the ball back again. He said, and the coach called out, Ratliff, get in there. He said, you know, I want to tell you something. He said, if they had torn my arms off, I would not have fumbled that ball. I mean, he was just determined. Although he was down, he would not stay down. And that's what Solomon says. The righteous man may get knocked down seven times, but he gets up again. And a person who is going to have the successful life that God wants them to is going to have one where they are resilient. You know, there are three things, I guess, that really are necessary for a person to have a successful, happy life. Number one, they've got to have something to do. Number two, they've got to have someone to love. And number three, they've got to have something to look forward to. And I want to tell you, if you follow the way of the Lord and do those things that He said for you to do, you're going to have the very best possible life that you can have. Because God wants you to look at your life and know, man, I am successful because I'm doing those things that God told me to do. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. Maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church. And if that's your desire, we would just welcome you with open arms. Maybe you'd like to come and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. Or if there's any other way we could encourage you, we would like to do that. I'll be at the front. Our elders will be at the back. And we can serve you in any way. If you'd like to come, why don't you do it right now as we just stand and sing our song of invitation together. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to His side. With love and strength for each new day, He will make a way. He will make a way. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. 
He will be my guide, hold me closely to His side. With love and strength for each new day, He will make a way. He will make a way.